Hello and welcome to the Super Show podcast. Uh, I'm your host, Chris, and today I'm joined by the effervescent Jamie. How you doing, buddy? I'm doing all the better now that you called me whatever the fuck that word was. I don't know if it is a good word or a bad word, but <laughs> it sounds like evanescence, or, or, so it's a compliment, right? No, mate. Effervescent. Okay. Basically, what I'm saying is when you're in my mouth, it goes fizzy. So I'm like, oh, what are those uh, tablets called that you put in the water? And it's like a effervescent tablets. No, but there's a specific brand that does an orange oh, like flavor. Bar- Barocca. Barocca. There we go. Like, yeah. so I'm the, J- I'm the Barocca J- of the podcasting world. I bring life to podcasting. You are the Barocca. Yeah. And uh, you may notice that there's only two people on the podcast because the kale of the podcasting world is uh, not with us uh, today. Uh, R.I.P. Alex Jones. Hopefully, he will overcome his demons and be a better man for it and then maybe we'll let him back on the podcast who knows time will tell check in next week exactly uh, but yeah we need, we needed to hire an, we we're going through our own try guys situation right now like we have to go through all the due process we've hired a lawyer we've got some hr in um but in the meantime we're going to be crying on videos and podcasts and monetizing the shit out of it in spite God, of the fact you that we're, we're grown men crying because our friend <laughs> had an affair can you imagine what a life it must be that like that's all you need to do go on podcasts cry like fucking hell i kind of feel like the try guys like what's the saying Uh, fell with their ass in the butter or some shit like that (laughs) i've never heard that isn't that a saying yeah like like basically saying that like yeah it's like you you fell into the situation which was like not really of your own making but it's like seriously cush Okay, I see what you mean. Yes, but I, I th- they did have to take some risks, and I give them props for that. Uh, yeah, yeah, sure. You sure. know, like leaving yeah. a nest egg like BuzzFeed must always be a weird jump. And I will say, like, while I took the piss out of them just then, they came across a lot more sort of well-rounded on their podcast, which was obviously not as scripted as the video they put out. But there was still an element <laughs> to me, like, I, I, did you do this where you tried to imagine how you would react if one of us did what what Ned uh, whatever his faces did? And it's like Ned Flanders. Ned Flanders. There you go. That works. And like, obviously, yeah. our brand isn't the same, and um, none of us have monetized our wife and our relationship <laughs> and our marriage in the same way we he did supposedly. But yeah, there are a few points. Yeah, in, it is in kind. There. It is kind of weird, but I think you you hit the nail on the head. It's, it's all about like <laughs> all about the persona that we put out there, mm-hmm. and I mean our, our our persona like. I, th- I think our persona would just be absolutely fine with something like that happening. <laughs> it would depend. Like, I can understand the anger when they had to cancel videos because obviously he had an affair with an employee. We don't have employees. Yeah. That's another thing. We can't really put ourselves in their shoes. Well, we're, we're employees to each other. So, you know, it, it would be one of us boning one of us. So. so you're asking me, how would I feel if I found out that you and Josie both cheated on your wives with each other and I fired you both and became a one-man <laughs> podcast? Um, I feel could great. you imagine? Yeah, uh, that would be a great story, actually. Yeah, yeah. Let, let, I'll, I'll tell you. What, I'll just, um, I'll just pencil it in for a few weeks' time. We'll see how we get on. All right. Yes. Yeah. And cool. uh, and everyone, look out for the first episode, the debut episode of the Baraka Cast, starring exclusively <laughs> yours truly. Um, and it's a it's a podcast about all things effervescent, including <laughs> effervescent video games. Am I even saying that word right? I don't know anymore. Yeah, you are. You are. Okay, good. But oh god! But you did say Evanescence, which also makes me think whatever the fucking happened to them. They did that oh. one Daredevil song, 
Oh, wait, no, not not the Daredevil. Well, unless the Daredevil song is Wake Me Up, Wake Me Up. Yeah, so, okay. Wasn't that the Daredevil? I think that was the Daredevil I, song. I don't associate that with Daredevil. I associate that with, I have um, some friends and we often, for whatever reason, take great joy and comfort in swapping out words and songs and quotes and movies with um, rather, I don't know, I'm not going to say uncomfortable or like disturbing words, but like uh, d- slightly more out there um, nomenclature. And we used to do that with that song and uh, swap out the wake for gape. Um, so it'd be like, gape me up. Like as in like, you're oh. gaping. but the bit, the best part was when the bloke goes, gape me. And we just like the idea of a <laughs> yeah. man screaming, gape me at the top of his lungs. Oh my um, God. There's a little story. Uh, by the way, y- yes, it was uh, daredevil, daredevil gape me back to life. There ben, we go. Ben, ben Affleck's <laughs> gape devil. Uh, I'm, you know what? Seeing as we're the home of um, <laughs> hot, uh, hot takes, hot, and trash opinions, hot takes, trash opinions. I I really didn't mind the Daredevil movie. I thought it was all right. I never saw it, to be honest. I know that it's Colin fine. Farrell played Bullseye. What was it? Something like that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Bald and fucking anyway. Yeah, yeah. fun times. Ah, uh, but you know what, Jamie? You know what is makes all the fun times all that more funner. Um, gaping. Gaping. Gaping it with you, buddy. And uh, if, if Jonesy was here, gaping it with him too. The the real fact of the matter is Jonesy went for an exceptionally enthusiastic goatsy and uh, yes. he had to be stitched back together. But while he's being stitched back together, it is my duty, nay, my privilege to let you know that we are a gaming podcast. We don't take ourselves too seriously and we are available on all major podcasting platforms of your choice. I'm talking Spotify, iTunes, Google Podcasts, Amazon Podcasts. And the reason I'm going to say that, Jamie, is because I got a notification from my Amazon app on my mobile phone. And it said, hey, please listen to podcasts on our platform. We'll give you a five pound voucher if you finish an entire episode. Oh wow! So it's like so it's like yeah, sure. So I fired up an episode of Super Show, just let it play in the background. Why not? And bada bing, bada boom, a five pounds delivered direct into my uh, digital wallet. I like that. So yeah, yeah, I like it too. You know what else I like is seeing your at times slightly blurry face. Uh, playing out on YouTube. Oh, yeah. There you go. That's focus <laughs> for the folks at home. Hello. That's focus for you. Ah, uh, yes. I am saying that we are available on YouTube. If you do not want to just listen to our voices and you want to see our beautiful, gorgeous, semi focused mugs. See, now I'm doing the thing. That- I'm moving my face probably too close to the camera to try and like remind it what I look like. Uh, it's not coming with this me. Is, this, is, this is great. I like it. Ah, we'll slap on a sharpen filter. It'll be fine. Um, we're also available paisleyradio.com Thursdays at 10 p.m. Uh, repeats on Mondays, 10 p.m. So if you want that kind of pseudo live feeling, there you go. Now, uh, Jamie, I'm going to I want to mix things up a little bit, okay? And I want to start this podcast, okay? We're, we're going to talk about things, okay? We're going to talk about Hideo Kojima's teasing of his next title mm-hmm. okay we're going to talk about like um the, the super fucking super mario brothers movie trailer that dropped yep, and yep. we're going to talk about some all things cd project red but before we do that i thought hey you know what we didn't do it last week let's do it this week let's go for a comment of the week kick everything off and there's a reason for this one jamie mm-hmm. okay this one is coming in from slick 1977 who goes on to say i'm not ashamed to say it but i was gutted 
when the weekend passed without a show, but you guys pulled it out of the bag, well done. Also, one week, great song, and also burned into my memory after a few karaoke sessions. So, um, you know, yes, one week. I, I clearly had the wrong take there, and I do apologize, Jamie. You absolutely smashed it, and everyone kind of... Uh, congratulated you for it and uh, scolded me in equal measure. So fair play. Oh, apology accepted, Chris. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I, I guess when you're talking about apologies, we should probably apologize to our listenership. You know, all 10 of you who are waiting for the weekend to come, roll by, have the, have the good super show fun time. But it wasn't there. It wasn't there. It came up during the week. And if you're listening to this podcast now, it's happened again. So, um, what you have to say about that, Jamie? <laughs> I mean, <laughs> I, we've changed the day we recorded. Is what I have to say. <laughs> so, welcome to the uh, the future, the brave new future yeah. that we live in now. Yeah, well, welcome to Super Show Two Point uh, recorded on Sunday nights, edited Monday or Tuesday or Wednesday. Aiming for uh, Monday. But yeah, you know, you never they know. should be coming out on Mondays where possible going forward. I was the reason it didn't go out on Monday last week, uh, owing to certain technical difficulties. Um, yeah. But yes, uh, that will be <clears throat> the new norm, hopefully. Yeah, so so I, I hope it doesn't kind of like ruin people's weekends too much. I mean, you know what? You can always just wait until the weekend to play it. Uh, the news might be a little bit older, but the fun times never stop. Um, yeah, I, I just think that like... We just needed a bit of a change. I think we were just kind of feeling a bit bogged down by the, um, no, I don't want to necessarily say the tedium of it, but just like the the routine of it. So yeah. not much of a shakeup, but just something to kind of, you know, make it and a little bit easier for us. The, the irony is not remotely lost on me that we switched to recording on Sundays because it felt like a better fit. And on our second ever Sunday recording, <laughs> there's only two of us here. <laughs> Uh, yeah, but you know, um, restitching up your arsehole, it takes time. So exactly. it's all right. It's yeah. fine. Um, but yeah, so there we go. So from now on, expect to let the super show kick off your week. You know, Mondays are shit enough as it is. You might as well end your Monday with a great podcast. And what better podcast to listen to than the giant bombcast? And then once you finish listening to that, you can listen to us. It's a super show. I mean, if we're going to go down I don't, that I don't route, even... there's probably another like 50 to 60 podcasts we can mention before we get to us across all genres. Uh, well, uh, look, week on week, I, I think we sit at maybe like the 120th kind of, you know, if we're averaging it out. Sometimes yeah. we hit into the top 100. Uh, but yeah, I, I'd say like maybe between 100 and 120 other podcasts to mention before our own. But, you know, I'll, I'll take it because, you know, there's fucking... Six billion bicycles in China, or whatever the fucking song was. <laughs> it's true. Anyway, <laughs> it's fucking true. Uh, you know what else is true, Jamie? What? Hideo Kojima. How many bicycles are there just, in Japan? Just one. And Hideo Kojima rides it every day as he is working on a new game. He totally Let me ask you this, Jamie. When you woke up this morning, did you ever think that you would be talking? about the fact that Hideo Kojima could be teasing another game? I mean, if I were to answer that question directly, the answer is quite firmly yes, because I knew I was recording this podcast the, this evening. 
and I knew that there was a pretty decent chance that Eric Ajima would come up on the broadcast because we love talking about him and his shenanigans because he's still one of the only cats in the game that, you know, likes a little... He still believes that variety is the spice of life and there's no fun in just coming out and saying shit or putting out like a you know black and white simple as tweet. He likes the he likes the chase. He likes a bit of cat and mouse action. He likes being cryptic, Chris. And we he like doesn't mind a bit it. of scat. He Hideo Kojima is the modern day scat man. Scatman <laughs> Kajathers. I don't. I, no, that doesn't really work. Wow, wow, that, that was a bit forced, but I'll, I'll accept it. Uh, but yeah, Jamie. So you're a big Hideo Kojima fan. I am. This must be. This must be a fun time for you. You know, Kojima like officially starting to tease. What's up next? Yeah, absolutely. In, in I must say, it's kind of, it kind of feels like a little bit anticlimactic the way he's been doing it. So, <sighs> for those who don't know, uh, Kojima has been teasing um, uh, a certain actor on Twitter since last month's Tokyo Game Show. So there was a darkened image of a mystery woman, and there's a caption that says quite cryptically, "Who am I?" Yes, and knowing Kojima, it's going to be like the the chick's name is I, and it's like, oh, who am I? I am I, or some shit like that. I don't fucking know. <laughs> He's a weird dude, Kojima. He is. Yeah. yeah. Um, since then, he has confirmed that. Um, oh, fucking, what's her first name? L. Fanning. L. Fanning. I keep on thinking Dakota Fanning. What happened to Dakota Fanning? She was in uh, that last Tarantino film, but I don't know. Uh, Once upon a time in Hollywood, but. That's about all I can think of recently. Oh, shit. Yeah, she had a small role. She was, you know, when Brad Pitt in the, goes in the, and, in the cult, yeah. Yeah, and the, like, there's that, the the older dude who's a, like the leader of the cult, but he, Brad Pitt's not allowed to like meet him or see him. And she's like one of the oldest girls on the, the ranch. Fucking weird, man. Yeah, weird. Um, yeah, and wasn't Margaret Qualley part of that? Qualley? Margaret Qualley, well? yeah. Margaret Qualley was also in Once Upon a Time in Hollywood and could also be a part of this mystery. That part remains yeah. to be seen there. So this is the weird thing, right? So we, b- before all of this teasing, um, like even before he showed off like the face, there was this whole leak about, oh, Kojima's next game is called Overdose and it's yep. a horror game and it's starring Margaret Qualey. I'm going to say Qualey. Would you say Qualey or Qualey? I'd, or say Qualey. I'd say Qualey personally, but I might be wrong. She does seem like a bit of a quail, doesn't she? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Anyway. Margaret Quail's eggs. <laughs> Um, yeah, so it's kind of interesting. And then fans have been speculating that the actual darkened face, you know, they did all the thing of like, oh, let me bring it into Lightroom or Photoshop and just fucking up the saturation and contrast and blah, blah, blah. Um, they speculated Deadpool 2's Shiori Katsuna, the, the, uh, Anna de Armas, or Margaret Qualley. That's the new darkened face, I should say. So you know that there have been two darkened yeah, faces. Yeah, there are two, yeah. So, um, yeah, so L Fanning was confirmed as Who Am I? Those three you mentioned are the potential candidates for where am I? You see, this is so I'm I'm so glad you're here because this is all so fucking weird. But basically in, in a very Kojima way. Basically, a, a, across Twitter and in certain physical locations like TGS, as you mentioned, and PAX Australia, yeah. which is just about to begin, Dido Kojima has been teasing the darkened portraits of certain individuals. The first one yeah. was El Fanning. The second one, I I personally believe the um Shiori Kutsuna um, angle. Okay. She was Yukio in Deadpool 2, who I believe, I think she's like the Yukio? friend. Yukio? Yeah. The, she's like the friend or the girlfriend of the, the Russian chick with short hair 
who I don't think is actually Russian. I don't remember Deadpool that well. I'm really sorry. I know she says high Wade in a cute way because lots of people keep quoting that um, like in tweets and on, on Reddit and various forums and stuff like that. Yukio. You know. I'm, I'm, look, I'm, I'm looking it up. I'm looking it up. I can't remember this woman. How well do you remember Deadpool 2? <laughs> Clearly about as well as I do. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Sure. Okay. Her. Yeah. Um, yeah. So so what is it? So he's got, who am I? Where am I? And then he tweeted another one that was like, question mark, question mark. What's next? It's yeah. always going to be, when am I? Yeah. So, I mean, of like... You'd be after who we we had who and where and you can say what and there was when and how even uh, it, it does seem like there are going to be five clues in total <laughs> based on kind of the bullet points that he has left empty in his recent tweets the Kojima San I'm talking about um, but whether or not they'll all be cast announcements or whether or not there'll be anything that points to what this actually is that remains to be seen but the bottom yeah. line the, the bottom line that I'm excited about is that Kojima is. Teasing stuff. And these are like tangible things. Like El Fanning yeah, will presumably yeah. be the lead or at least one of the leads in a ungamed Hideo Kojima. Oh, but yeah. So we, yeah, so we don't know what it is. We don't know if it's Project Overdose. We don't know if it's the rumored or rather planned collaboration with Microsoft. We don't know. I, I believe the the leading theory at the, at the moment is that it's Death Stranding 2. That's right, yeah. Um, because earlier this week, a producer at uh, Kojima Productions used the hashtag, hashtag Death Stranding when retweeting Kojima's announcement. But then again, who the fuck knows? Uh, do, do you, I want to ask you a question, like, how did Death Stranding get announced? I think it was just, I think it was just purely the, the first trailer, wasn't it? Yeah, that was exactly it. Um, so... Uh, <sighs> I remember uh, someone, uh, I can't remember the guy's name, but a guy who worked at PlayStation at the time who since left um, filmed the video, sat down with Kojima to announce that they were officially collaborating. That was PlayStation and yeah. Kojima Productions at the time when Kojima Productions had just been formed. And yeah, it was at E3. They rolled out the, not the red carpet, but the virtual white paneled <laughs> carpet for Kojima <laughs> that he infamously walked faster, faster than. So he got ahead of the carpet. Yeah, I remember. Like, yeah, exactly. That whole thing. Um, and then, yeah, he was like, he'd just, you know, he'd just been on the tour to find an engine. So everyone thought that yeah. it was like way too early to show anything. But then he showed, like you said, that first trailer for Death Stranding that revealed a lot, well, a lot of the themes that would um, be relevant yeah. in the final game from Norman Reedus's involvement to a baby to a, the Cupid to those five floating figures. Um, obviously, the Stranding itself saw the washed up uh, fish and mm -hmm. sea life. Uh, black gooey handprints, like a lot of those ideas and a lot of that imagery was there uh, immediately, even though the game wasn't. Um, so yeah, it came, basically it came together pretty quickly. Um, yeah. So with that in mind, do, are you a bit disappointed at how this is kind of playing out? Does it? Sorry, go for it. I, I was going to say, like, doesn't it feel like unnecessarily dragging it out in a way? Uh, as someone who's excited, I don't think it's unnecessary. I think it is, as as I just said, exciting. I do think there's a certain irony, or not even an irony, there's a certain... Like, there's something about how muted this has felt that is uh, yeah. kind of slightly odd to me. I, I made an observation to you early before we started recording that 
whenever it was this time last year, this time the year before, time has no meaning anymore. But um, Abandoned <laughs> was the talk of the town. And you've got to remember yeah. that Abandoned was this weird situation where, you know, that was a game that was, you know, announced and had a trailer on the PlayStation official YouTube channel. And Hassan Karaman was this slightly odd character who said slightly odd things, but never, <laughs> especially in the early stages, never truly lent into the Kojima comparisons or the Kojima productions links in any real way. A lot of that was fueled by these crazy fans who were like, do you remember translating the word Karaman from one language into another? And yeah. they were, you know, trying to find hidden links and meanings and everything. Um, and people got obsessed with it. You know, there were subreddits devoted to unraveling the clues and the secrets behind a thing that we now know um, with hindsight was absolutely nothing. Uh, there was never anything there. And now Hideo Kojima himself is actually coming out and is trying to get some kind of, uh, I'm not going to call it an ARG, but he's teasing real information about a real project. And people are just kind of like almost shrugging their shoulders. And yeah, the for me, the announcement that El Fanning is as I said, either the lead or a lead in an upcoming Hideo Kojima game, that, that's like quite a big deal. Um, and the idea that you know there's another actress on the cusp of being announced and more, more details and more news that's going to arrive probably in the coming weeks, coming months, and, and that I don't think it's unrealistic to say that we might know what this project is or see something from it maybe by the end of the year, early next year. Um, I mean, but I'm don't fascinated. You think, like, don't, don't you think Prime way for him to kind of release a trailer is going to be at uh, Game Awards. Yes, I, I think certainly given his uh, relationship with Jeff Keighley, given the fact that when you look at how he's sort of like formatting his announcements, they all seem to begin with an event. So the Who yeah. was announced at TGS, as we said, the Where will be confirmed at PAX Australia. He's definitely trying to tie into physical events to get the stuff out there. But it's weird. Like The reality is that physical events and having a billboard or whatever it is at TGS doesn't reach as many people as a trailer will on like a Keeley stream, which I think is part of yeah. why not many people are talk to, talking about this or particularly interested in it or trying to break down this out or the other. It's because he hasn't truly got that captive audience in front of him yet. But by the time a real game materializes and there's more meat on the bone, I think people will start to show the traditional level of Kojima intrigue, which is somewhat missing at the moment. Yeah. Yeah, I hope so. I hope so. Because like, <clears throat> you know, it's, if you're listening to this podcast, you know, you know my feelings on Death Stranding. But whatever they are, the the ride getting to the release of that game was fucking crazy. Yeah. You know, all those trailers, dissecting them. I remember when the second trailer came out, I was like, oh my God, if you time it and, and line them up at this point, then the baby disappears from Norman Reedus's hands and goes in the fucking enclosure thing. It's like, yep, yep, I, I lived for that shit. And yeah. that, of course, was when... Jonesy had his very famous meltdown on all-time gaming. Babies and batteries. Yeah, because we were still speculating. We had no clue what a fucking what the baby was, and we thought, oh, maybe it powers that little device on his back. Mm -hmm. We said, and then Jonesy was like, yeah, but babies can't be batteries, and he was stuck on the the logic or the illogical thing of a baby cannot be a battery, rather than like the fact that there are dead whales and yeah. skeleton yeah. soldiers. <laughs> what I like about it is <laughs> yeah. that Jonesy rejected the idea that the baby was a battery and that the energy that the baby was naturally producing was being used to power a you know rather simple uh, electronic yeah. device or whatever it was. Um, re completely rejected that hypothesis. Far too far-fetched, outrageous claim. The reality 
that they were bridge babies, that they were basically allowed mankind to get a link between the world of the living and the world of the dead. And they did so by taking them from the wombs of uh, women called still mothers, who were basically brain dead women who were pregnant at the time at which they went brain dead. And it's like, that was the real, uh, yeah. <laughs> so, goes to show. Yeah, but no, but Jamie, you don't understand. Babies cannot be batteries. No, but they can be the link between the world of the living and the world of the dead, and they can help you sense uh, BTs. Yes. Depending on the level no, of no, dooms. But no batteries required, is what I'm trying to say. No batteries required. <laughs> no, it, it, yeah, it's, I, I wish there was more to talk about. Like, I, I wonder if there's some weird, crazy shit out there or something in those posters or in his tweets. Like, how frustrating must it be if you put something out there and people just aren't interested enough to pick up on it. Yeah. I mean, yeah, definitely. That must be frustrating. I also think especially frustrating for Kojima because you, you talk, you mentioned this a little bit when it came to the way people broke down the trailers and the promotional material for mm. death stranding, someone like him gets a reputation. And at some point that reputation precedes them and people, yeah. people start handling everything they say or everything they do in a certain way. And at some point you look at the way Kojima actually handled death stranding, the promotion, the release, the life cycle after the fact, all the way up to the director's cut, he didn't really do any bullshit. But between, you know, mm. the, the sort of semi, uh, we're soon to be seen revival of Konami, the never ending Silent Hill stuff, the Hassan Karaman and the abandoned stuff, the overdose stuff that you mentioned, like Kojima's name is thrown into the mix fucking every two months on some other bullshit. And it's not actually him. Like, he's not doing it, he's not inserting himself into the conversation. And so fatigue well, gets built no, up that he hasn't. Hold on, I. I, I gotta I gotta jump in there because I, I think with the whole Hassan Karaman thing, he 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 reveled in jumping into that. What in did his he own do? Name one thing Kojima he did way. that was jumping into it. What did he do? I think he <clears throat> I think he latched onto the idea that people had that he might be involved. And I think he what's one fair piece of evidence he, that he did that though? Like what did he say a tweet that he did, for example? There's nothing. He didn't do anything. He, well yeah. He just no, said you're, you're right. Like <laughs> He, he just sat there. He didn't. He didn't do anything. Doesn't do anything. Um, no, but you could say like whether coincidence or not. Like with the, do you remember the director's cut trailer where the, the box up ended and the oranges in the box and it's like oh, if you invert oranges, you get orange, you get blue, and it's blue box games. Then all the stuff with um, uh, Silent Hills was him kind of like tweeting about all these things that were like the fucking bunny rabbit suit in from Silent Hills or something when all that talk started coming up. Like you could say that there had no basis in anything. And that's absolutely fair because, you know, but I do feel that he just like enjoys fucking and having fun with that kind of thing. Though those are two fair examples. Um, I I just, I I think they're so minor given the ultimate scale (laughs) of those controversies that he ended up in. And I still also think that like someone occasionally making like the odd joke or like kind of not distancing himself from like this like it still doesn't mean that he earns the kind of fatigue that people might be feeling and like again I, I still think that he's just far enough removed from you think about the where the Hassan Karan and the abandoned stuff got to and how tired of it people mm. were by the end and how some of that if any of it might be rubbing on to rubbing off onto Kojima right now like that would be unfair in my eyes um but at the same time like you look at what he's actually doing here, specifically what we're talking about. We're talking about the perhaps slightly unnecessarily drawn out reveal of a cast 
And it ties back into one of Kojima's biggest problems, which is he does have this sort of like fetishization of Hollywood and known and mm. recognizable actors. You go back to uh, Kiefer Sutherland completely unnecessarily replacing David Hayter in the role of Solid Snake, <laughs> resulting in uh, Kiefer Sutherland report- recording about like two lines of dialogue for the Phantom Pain and perhaps completely changing the, what could have been the trajectory of that game. Like, Kojima can be his own worst enemies, his own worst enemy, excuse me. And like doing photo shoots with with Elle Fanning, like there's a part of me that hears that and I'm like, okay, dude, like I hope you still got the same team of people around you helping actually design a game here. Um, <laughs> but we'll see, we'll see. And it's also like there's, he's also worked himself into a horrible situation where like nothing would be a surprise. And if if we got to the Game Awards and Elle Fanning starred as, is it a spoiler to say who Elle Fanning could star as if it were a Death Stranding sequel? Hmm. Maybe I won't oh, say just in case. Nah, no, nah, I don't think it. No, fuck it. Like, enough time. Enough time has gone on. Okay, I, I, I'll, I'll still keep it cryptic, so it doesn't mean anything. But like, let's I think say we that, actually spoiled it on the podcast before, okay. anyway. So, but like, yeah, if we get to the point where like Death Stranding Two is revealed and El Fanning, Fanning is Lou, and they've got some new gimmick that's not like a porter system anymore. It's just a new game set in the world of Death Stranding. Um then that would be really cool and I'd be really excited. But we'd also just go, okay, cool, yeah. That that kind of that's someone putting all the pieces of the jigsaw together in a way that made sense. Um and yeah, that's not a surprise. Yeah. So I hope there are more surprises rather than just the cast. So, so this is this is what I wanted to ask you. Did your what is your feeling on it? Do you think it is Death Stranding 2? Like, is that your gut? Or do you think it's something else? <sighs> that is my gut. For some reason, I'm I might have it completely wrong. Um, I think that whatever happened during the summer with Overdose and the Microsoft deal, I think ties into all these other reports. Like you know, the, those reports that Stadia turned down a Kojima horror game, um, and that that's why Kojima's yeah. still been very interested in cloud-based gaming and uh, signed the deal yeah, with Microsoft. Yeah. I think there's something weird out there. The Overdose and the Margaret Qualley thing and that trailer that some people supposedly saw ties into some kind of cloud-based episodic horror title that sees Kojima experimenting with what he sees as new and exciting tech that allows people to engage with games and uh, that kind of form of media in a way that they perhaps haven't before. And that's kind of classic Kojima territory to want to experiment with that. Like this was a guy who put a fucking solar panel in a Game Boy game. Like he does weird <laughs> and wanted he wanted, this is a guy who wanted to make a self-destructing disc, you know, like the, it, Kojima likes to push the envelope where he can. He might not have done it that much for a while, but he wants yeah, to. Yeah, yeah. Um, but Death Stranding Two seems logical. Um, you know, he they almost all but confirmed it when Norman Reedus let slip that he was filming stuff for the new yeah. thing, and then there was the Instagram post where Kojima was um, feigning an attack on Reedus, um, almost as a repercussion for reading that information. I just hope that, <laughs> and I've said this before on this podcast, so I won't go too in depth on it. But one thing I hope is that. Kojima sticks with uh, one of the kind of the principles he set up and followed through with on Metal Gear Solid, which is that just because you're making a sequel doesn't mean it has to be the same game. And he found so many yeah. interesting ways through either game design ideas or um, character perspectives or or timelines to make each Metal Gear Solid game often vastly different to the one before it while still being interconnected. I hope we see more of that energy because uh, you can't make another Porter game, in my opinion. Yeah, that would be, that would well, yeah, exactly. Like I think Death Stranding definitely has its fans, and I think it also 
put off a lot of people in terms of what that actual minute-to-minute, day-to-day gameplay mechanic was. Mm. And I know as well, like, my personal experience from it of playing maybe the first hour of it, but then also watching the fucking, what was it, 10-hour movie (laughs) on YouTube on, on like, all the cutscenes and shit. Like, I don't know. A lot of the stuff seemed maybe a little bit melodramatic and maybe a little bit over the top, even for Kojima's standards, perhaps. I don't know. What what would you like to see maintained from Death Stranding 2 then? Uh, do you know what? Because you're right. It, it, can't, it can't be a porter thing. That's fucking mental. The, the weird thing is that I, I, I think when I think about what I liked about Death Stranding 2 is the, how it completely changed my perspective on progression and, and sort of like advancement through a game and... Like I talked about before how I recently played the first handful of hours of Death Stranding and the first handful of hours of The Phantom Pain within kind of like a few weeks of one another. And one of the things I thought they did really well was with Phantom Pain with the stealth action genre and um, Death Stranding with whatever you want to call it, the walking simulator genre the, or the delivery game. No, it's game the, strand, the stranding genre. The, stra- it's the, the it's strand the, genre, exactly. It's a strand game. But he, like, he, he, in game design terms, he's very good at putting up walls and allowing players over the course of time to knock those walls down and to get that sense of validation and progression that they get from making an arduous task easier. And like that classic example of Death Stranding, the first mission that the, the game properly gives you is transporting a body, which is the most annoying thing to do in the whole fucking game because you <laughs> cannot stay balanced. And it doesn't ask you to do it for like another like 15 hours after that. And every single interval after that, but it's like, oh, here's shoes that don't break every five minutes. Here's an exoskeleton that keeps you upright all the time and allows you to like sprint. Here's a bunch of different weapons so that when you do have to take on engagements, <laughs> they're actually fun. Oh, and by the way, now you're building roads. Now you've got full-on cars to drive along the roads. Everything becomes trivialized while the next set of objectives, like, oh, now you're in the fucking, like, snowy mountains, they start yeah, to feel yeah. difficult. And I, I just want that same kind of, like, core loop and that same core uh, progression philosophy to be maintained. The other thing I like about Death Stranding is, like, there is a sense of kind of uh, almost isolation in a vast open world. You know, when the, the camera pulls back and you get the low raw music kick in and you're, like, on this vast adventure on your own, there is something really engaging about that. Um, if there's a way to rework that, but not have it be about being an Amazon delivery guy, that could be cool. Like maybe take a little bit of um, influence from a series, say, I don't know, Stalker, for example, and capture how that used sort of like isolation and like loneliness to enhance um, uh, what was essentially like an FPS uh, game when it actually boiled down to it, um, but set in yeah. a very vast open world that, like I said, captured some of those feelings. But I, I don't know. I really don't know. He could, he could make a fucking... They, they could be an entire city that we didn't really get to see in Death Stranding and he makes an entire game set in an urban environment that's like one kilometer by one kilometer. Like, I just don't fucking know. Yeah, yeah. I, I guess that's the beauty of Kojima, right? Like, he can and usually will do anything to just not be... not be samey. <laughs> sure, sure, yeah, exactly. Which, which in effect makes him a bit samey then, doesn't it? The only thing that's the same about him is how different he is. Exactly. exactly. Yeah, I like it. Ah, uh, mate, it is kind of mental. You know what else is mental, Jamie? The fact that people support this podcast with some of their hard-earned dollars, uh, shekels, uh, rubles even, because we don't discriminate where that money comes from as long as it keeps the lights on. Uh, I am, of course, talking about our gracious patrons, uh, and you too could be 
a patron. Not you, Jamie, like you as in, I mean, the listener or the viewer of this podcast. I think I could Actually, have yeah, you, to be. Maybe, but that's kind of like diminishing returns though, because... Yeah, it's like... It's you're you're supporting yourself, but but you, you're letting someone else take a cut. Yes, exactly. I'd be like taking £10, let's say, to give like probably you and Jonesy like £2 each <laughs> and then the rest of it gets lost to... Uh, Gets lost to Patreon, all comes back to me. So, yeah, exactly. Uh, but for as little as two dollars, you get access to our Discord server. So, if you head on over to patreon.com forward slash super show, you can help keep the super show dream alive, even though we've moved days. And um, hey, maybe it works better for you and you want to, you know, throw us a coin to say thanks. And some people that have done just that, Jamie. Uh, are on screen right now. And there's some names that I'm going to uh, caress the microphone with. I'm, of course, talking about Aaron Cameron, Athletic Gravy, Bill Caesar, Brimstone, Cole K, Crow's Perch, I, Snort Rock Salt, Jesper Camdahl Nielsen, Leo Merger, Mindful Pig, Mr. Anthropic, Pastor's Guild, and then, of course, I'm talking about the big boys, I'm talking about Bretzy, a.k.a. Shellshock, Doppler, Geometric Potter, Hacksaw Book Read, Manuel Guerrero, and Peaswad. And if you would like to show your support to the Super Show and make sure that I never, ever deliver those list of names like that ever again with the moistness in my in my throat, then head on over to patreon.com forward slash Super Show and show your support. Ah. I, I still can't believe it. It's it's amazing that we've got this community built around us. And yeah. I'm thankful for it. I'm unbelievably grateful. So thank you all so much um, for showing mm-hmm. your support. It means a lot. Yeah. Uh, talking about showing support, Jamie. Yeah. I, I, I kind of feel that you have been showing support to uh, a, a particular game. Trombone champ, you're right. Yeah. Big time. Yeah. 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 Um, yeah. No. You're talking about Overwatch 2, Chris, no. aren't you? I am talking about Overwatch 2 because, uh, you know, not, not that a game needed support, especially a high-profile one that goes free to play. Uh, but yeah, Overwatch 2, you've been playing it. How, how have you been finding it? Yeah, you know, I've been having a good time with it in a way that it didn't... It wasn't so much that I didn't think I would have a good time, it's that I didn't think I'd have a time at all. Like, if you turn the clock <laughs> back, I don't even know, six months or so, when... I didn't have a lot of particularly nice things to say about Overwatch 2 and the direction it was going in, the volume of work that, I mean, that's a harsh way of putting it, but the changes, let's say, that looked like they were being filtered into the PvP elements of the game, the way that the PvE elements of the game were no longer like clear of like, what the objective was or when that was going to you know come to fruition compared to what the original pitch for Overwatch 2 was. But you know what? Yeah. I don't know if you felt it this week. <clears throat> There's something about a game like this coming out, being free to play, servers crashing, DDoS attacks, um, like <laughs> streamers getting, you know, hundreds of thousands of viewers, like the general kind of excitement in the air when something big happens and you're one click away from joining in that just makes you go, oh, fuck it. Yeah. Um, and so I said, fuck it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Fair enough. Yeah. I think Overwatch is, is one of those games that like, at its worst, it's just boring and annoying, but at its best, it it's actually quite a lot of fun. Yeah. Um, if, you get, if you get lost in it. And your, I, your camera's doing absolutely <laughs> mental things, by the way. 
<laughs> yeah, it's lost me again. Although last time it found me on its own, so I'm just going to trust the process, and I'm going to ask you to do okay. the same. It's Moneyball, Chris. It's a process. It's a process. It's a process. I, I, I got gotcha. you. Um, trust in the process. Exactly. I, I, I'm not sure I could say with any confidence that I've had any like an overwhelmingly good or an overwhelmingly bad time with Overwatch 2 thus far, mostly because I was only very loosely into the first Overwatch. Like, I picked it up on PS4, the Origins Edition or whatever it's called. I gave it a good go. You know, I tried all the heroes. I put, like, probably, like, mm. 10 to 12 hours into the into that game, and it never truly got its hooks into me. It was just something that was mostly fun to play, and it was there, and it was available, and it was, you know, it was, like, it was friendly. Like, it didn't feel too sweaty because uh, i obviously never got competitive <laughs> or ranked or anything super gnarly like that um I, I guess what was weird about overwatch 2 and again i must stress that this is coming like this is like a layman's take on it is it was just weird like launching a game and it said i i think my accounts have merged i don't know but it asked me uh do i want to do the tutorial and it recommended i did so i was like yeah sure and i was like right, oh it's yeah. the same tutorial like i'm a soldier 76 <laughs> again and yes he's got a beard now but i'm still like chasing Trace around the same facility and everything looks like it's got like a level of polish and machine that makes its visuals look appropriate for this day and age, but like not out of this world. And I'm shooting these same robots and I'm going into the same like sort of like practice grounds and I'm there's yeah. a bunch of heroes now that I've no idea who they are, but a lot of them are locked for me because I need to complete certain hero challenges to, to get access to them. And But yeah, like running around as Soldier 76, which is what I did a lot of, uh, in the first Overwatch <laughs> and what I've done a lot of since, still feels like that. And there are maps that you go, oh, this is new. And there are maps where you go, oh, this isn't. Um, yeah, they, they, they've just made it night instead of day. Okay, yeah. cool. <laughs> so it's a really mixed bag. And I will say also that like, as someone who could potentially have been interested in some kind of PvE experiment within the Overwatch universe, um, yeah, it's sad that... like. Don't get me wrong, I wasn't excited about waiting another like year or whatever it could have, would have had to have been and paying like any amount of money for an Overwatch 2. But the fact that things have come out and have been a bit more piecemeal, and I think they've kind of like broken up the PvE plans and they're kind of like they're seasonal and they're going to come out at various times and have like paid them. And just like it really doesn't fill me with any real enthusiasm. Um, Mate, the, the last time I heard talk like that was Halo Infinite and just look, look how that went, right? Right, exactly, yeah. And like Halo Infinite was a, a game that kind of managed in the early stages to get people excited about the prospect of playing Halo again. And I think Overwatch 2 will do the same with Overwatch. Like it will make yeah. them go like, oh, I can play Overwatch again. Courtesy of Overwatch 2. But whether or not it has the legs, um, we'll see. Because like Halo Infinite, I thought, had a really promising start and seemed like any of everyone yeah. just sort of like unanimously decided to put it down as soon as they realized that the progression system wasn't great. And the seasonal structure was taking way longer than it should have done and so on and so forth. And I don't know where Blizzard are at with any of that stuff, but I like I said, I'm not yeah. enough of an expert to say, but yeah. Um what a weird time. It's still kind of what a weird thing. It's it still kind of feels to me like a, a glorified patch. Yeah. Like absolutely. Nothing that I've seen okay, I I haven't played the game. Okay, I've done I've started downloading it, but fuck me if I'm gonna finish it. <laughs> um but like everything I've seen and, and watched and, you know, streamers and videos, et cetera, it just all kind of seems like, yeah, these these are good, decent improvements, but like so? You like this this is a patch. Where where is the where's the secret source, you know? Yeah. Like 
like I said, like this is a thing that I think for a lot of people like myself, and I think Jonesy was in the same boat, it's a like reminder of like, okay, do you want to jump back in and play a little bit more Overwatch? But it's not a reason to go like, oh shit, I need to stop like and dive yeah. in and see all the new stuff in Overwatch. It's like a it's like a nudge, you know, it's like a bump. It's like you got poked on Facebook, you know, like <laughs> so I'm still here, I'm still a part of your life. And you're like, Oh yeah, you are still here and you are still a part of my life. And you go and look through their pictures on Facebook and you're like, Yeah, like you still look the same and you haven't made that many state put up that many status updates in like the past few years since I looked at your profile last time. So like yeah, an interesting reminder that you're still technically here and I could engage or interact with you in any way I see fit at any point, but I'm kind of not gonna for the same yeah. reason I stopped in the first place. You're ugly. I I also like the fact that like your Facebook experience was probably circa your Overwatch 1 experience. <laughs> the poking um, and, and status updates. Come on, mate. Well, what are they called? I don't no. think anyone does it anymore. Oh yeah, no one does anymore. But like, yeah, my 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 I don't even think a poke is a thing anymore on Facebook. It's probably not. But like again, you got to remember my my Facebook experience ended well before Overwatch One came out. Like my Facebook yeah, experience true. ended probably around two thousand eleven, two thousand twelve, when I left school and I was like, uh, I don't know how I feel about this anymore. <laughs> yeah, fair enough. But yeah. Uh, um, I'd be curious to know if you know there are folks listening and folks at home who have slightly more nuanced or uh, uh, sort of like more well-rounded things to say about this. I, I have no idea how well this is going to go down in the long term. Um, yeah, but it's still a fascinating I, thing in the short term. I th- I think it's going to be fine. I think Overwatch in itself has enough of a fan base um, to to justify Overwatch Two as an, as an existence. The fact it's gone free to play kind of brings in all those people that were curious about it and just wanted that Blizzard polish but didn't want to spend the money for it because they didn't maybe like the genre or like the art direction or whatever it is. But then this, there might be an element of curiosity sending them over to it. Um, I think it'll be interesting to see what Overwatch League does with all of this. Um, I haven't really been keeping up to it. I used to... It was my job at one point to keep up with Overwatch League. It is no longer my job to keep up with the Overwatch League, so I'm completely out of the loop. Um, for for me, it's kind of like a short term success is certain, but what what is the midterm? What is the long term? What does all of that look like? Yeah, I don't know. You know, but hey, that's 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 just a, a theory, a game theory. Uh, yeah, Blizzard, man, weird. Yeah, roll on Diablo anyway. Four. Yeah, I hope it's good. I've got, I've got, although yeah, a lot of the reports I've been seeing on on YouTube, and and to be fair, YouTube is not the best place to be getting your fucking news reports on a game like a, a pre-release of a game like Diablo Four, mm-hmm. because it's all like Diablo Four's monetization is going to break the game, and oh this, right, that, yeah. Like, do you know what I mean? Like it's all following that huge, exactly, and that YouTube sensationalist kind of slant that people tend to go for. Yeah. Um, but yeah, you know, while we're waiting for Diablo Four, I've been playing some games, Jamie. There's I one that I want to talk about today. Yes, there's one that I want to talk about. Oh, actually, there's two, but I'll talk about the other one later. Uh, the first one is I've been playing Moonbreaker. I don't know what this is. I'm going to look this up while you talk about ah. it. So oh, I do Moonbreaker know what this is. is. Yeah, yeah. It's it's that like tabletop game 
on your PC that's like, what was the story written by? What's the guy's name? Like Sanderson something, something Sanderson. The guy who took over that series, The Wheel of Time uh, series. Yeah. Is it the fantasy series that got turned into? Brandon Sanderson. Yeah, Brandon Sanderson is the guy's name. So he's written the story for this. Um, so effectively, it's 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 very strange. It's kind of like a, a little bit of a mishmash of things, right? It's got the aesthetic of, I guess, like StarCraft Two ish. Okay, mm. the gameplay is more like XCOM. Okay. okay. It is a tabletop thing, so it's not even like oh, it's inspired by a tabletop. It's like no, literally, is a minifigure that lands on this board that you then move, but it doesn't like there's no animation to this thing other than it's a static figure that moves across the board. Right? You get yeah. what I'm saying? Yeah, like picks uh, up and it, moves, and yeah, yeah. But it's turn-based. It's very much XCOM style. It's like hey, move here. There's like a cover system. There's a percentage base to your accuracy, etc. There's skills. It's it's actually pretty fun. It is pretty fun. Um, and then obviously there's the, what is it, like the Warhammer kind of slant on it where one part of this game is that XCOM side of things. Another part of this game is you collect these minifigures and you can go into a separate like portion of the game and paint them. If yes, I remember that from the trailer. Thing. It's it like I've never been into like that kind of depth of those things. Like I'm not really a Warhammer kind of kind of dude, but it's fun. I, I enjoyed it. I think it it definitely it's early access at the moment, and you could definitely tell that it's early access. Not in terms of like it's rough around the edges or anything like that. But it's just like it's not feature complete. It seems right. um, a bit light, but yeah, like a bit light. But you can definitely tell what their intent is, and yeah. Things are looking good for it. I would say that for me, it's probably not something that I'd keep going for. It's just, just not my 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 bag. But I, I know I know some people who would be fucking all over this. And in fact, some of the people that I've recommended it to at work have been like, yep, that's for me. I'm going to go buy it right now. Hmm. Like, no. Okay, yeah, fair play. So yeah, I, I think it'll be good. Um, but other than that, Jamie, like I'll talk about the other game a little bit later down the line in this pod. But I've been watching something. I've been watching something good. Uh, you, do you, yes, so I've heard. Do you? Yes, so yes, because I've been messaging you on WhatsApp, just saying you got to get on it. Uh, yeah. I've been watching The Bear. It's a show on, I, I believe it's on Fox FX, but I've been watching it on Disney Plus. And effectively, it's like the way I described it to you is Whiplash meets Chef by way of The Shield in a weird kind of way. <laughs> it's a, it's yeah. such a crazy combination, but I love it. It's it's yeah it's it's mental. Whiplash in terms of the intensity, Chef in terms of the love and admiration of all things cooking, yeah. and the Shield in terms of its grittiness, and it's all based in Chicago. And the premise is, there's this dude, Calm Carmine Carmen, and he's like a world class chef, worked at all the top fucking restaurants, and he his brother dies and kind of leaves him this corner shop, like. Um, meat sandwich, you know, Italian meat sandwich shop yeah. in Chicago. And he's there and he's just trying to fucking salvage it and make sense of it. And it's an intense, intense four hours of content there. Because like 30 minutes per episode, just about, and there's eight episodes. It's 
it's so good, dude. You, like, I can't wait for you to start watching it because, yeah, some shit happens there, and it's like yeah. it's fucking cool, man. No, it's a great yeah. show. And, and I, I watched the first episodes, and I couldn't stop thinking about it, and I just fucking binged it on the weekend. Yeah, I, it's annoying. I don't have Disney Plus, so I'm gonna have to you know find some other uh, way to watch it. But uh, oh yeah, what 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 uh, how um. What, where, how would you uh, get yeah, that other... Like, yeah. raise, raise some funds and, and purchase like mm. a one-month subscription to Disney Plus. Oh, um, totally, Some of yeah, that, yeah. you know, I just yeah. need to like sort out my finances and put some money aside, you know. Times are tough, Patreon yeah. and all that. Sure. Um, but, I, but I will say I, I, <laughs> is that if you were... If you were I'm talking about you personally. If you were going to sell... Yeah. I don't know if anyone was going to sell a show to me. Um, <laughs> having that kind of combination of ingredients, no pun intended... Like it, that, that's a pretty clear winner in my book because I love, obviously, love food, but also just love cooking stuff. Like I'm watching yeah. cooking and kitchen related content on YouTube, like nonstop. Like all my recommended <clears throat> videos are uh, cooking and like uh, restaurant related <laughs> content. Not just because I'm a big fat guy, because I, but just because I like culinary stuff. I don't even know. Um, and yeah, yeah when you yeah, describe like that sort of like whiplash or like uncut gem style of like a story that moves at a million miles an hour and like doesn't let you come up for air um in that environment yeah literally literally <laughs> yeah um a perfect and and hey half an hour episodes like you literally can't go wrong so um yeah yeah that sounds yeah, exactly. like a, that sounds like a, a good like weekend job um or do, do you know what I'm, yeah hmm. the other thing i might be thinking <laughs> of is because I, I i i it sounds crazy to talk about like a month something that's a month away but it's the next time i've got time off work um, is yeah. when I booked the week off for God of War, but God of War doesn't come out till Wednesday, and so I'm going to have a nice little four day weekend prior to God of War coming out. Which I'm not yeah. saying it's going to take me a month to act on this recommendation, but if I don't in I time, then I hope it doesn't. Do. I hope it doesn't because I just I just want to talk about it with you because it's fucking cool, man. <laughs> I'll, see, I'll see how I go. I've I've like I said to you before, and I've got a big sort of week at work. Got some big projects that have dragged on for months that may well yeah. be finished this week. So if I get lucky. Oh. Then, uh, Baby, if I uh, if you get a message from me at like four in the morning on a Friday <laughs> night, and I'm just like I just stayed up all night watching the, but then then you know we've made it, we've cracked it, yeah, yeah exactly, nice. Ah, oh, well, Jamie, from watching a great TV show, the other thing that I did in this past week is watched a a pretty surprisingly great trailer for a movie. Mm. <laughs> I am I am of course talking about Nintendo releasing the first trailer. For the Super Mario Brothers movie. Which, oh, yes. Mate, I, I I don't want to say my expectations were low, but I, I wouldn't necessarily say that my expectations were high either. It was more a case of like, okay, let's let's see what this is, you know? Okay. And Nintendo being Nintendo, you know, carting out Shigeru Miyamoto every fucking opportunity to talk about the fact that this movie was coming out. It's like, yeah, okay, but can we see something? And yeah. They announced it with a with a poster. Poster was pretty cool. People kind of dissected the poster for a bit. And what was it? Like two days later, there was a Nintendo Direct all about the fucking Super Mario Brothers movie. And that trailer, man, I was pleasantly surprised. Mm-hmm. Like genuinely, I thought they fucking nailed it. Yeah. Yeah. Like I, I, I think they turned it into a film which Yeah, it's it's just I I I completely think that this is going to be like a billion dollar film i i i, I think i think it'll be a billion dollar film as well um yeah yeah so the film is due to be released in north america april 7th 2023 um 
And the trailer also gave Mario fans the first chance to hear Chris Chris Pratt's voice as Mario. Yeah. He doesn't sound like that, by the way. No. Um, he just, uh, as spoiler alert, he sounds like um, Chris Pratt. I'm, I, I, I'm not going to be contrarian immediately. I reject the idea that he just sounds like Chris Pratt. I think. He sounds like Chris Pratt by, by way of New York. Yeah. The way he is, he's Mushroom Kingdom, here we come. Like there's there's a there's a New Yorker in there somewhere. <laughs> I guess so. It, it was kind of odd. Like the first time he spoke, I mean, I don't even remember. I got to go back and watch the trailer. But the first time he spoke, he said a few words, and I was like, "Oh, that's Chris Pratt." And the yes. second time he said, like at the end of the thing, "Here we go." I was like, oh, "Okay, yeah." There's a little bit of a little that, bit of a thing that's there. Exactly it. Yeah. But it's still like ninety percent Chris I, yeah, Pratt. I, I, but, I, I, but, I don't. But 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 like. It. Yeah, exactly. Lo- loads of people are kind of like shitting all over it, but I'm just like, who cares? There's re- there's reasons to kind of like have a stick up your ass about it, whether it's because it's not Charles Martinet or because it's Chris Pratt again and, you know, Pratt saturation, I think, for a lot of people reached a high point um, a number of years ago. Yeah. Uh, or just yep. because it's like it's obvious or because it's boring or because he's just a, a plain old white guy and that doesn't sit well with some people these days. Like, But I think the bottom line is like, you go back and go back and watch like the Lego movie and remind yourself yeah. of like what a joyful and heartfelt performance Chris Pratt managed to give in that role and ask yourself whether or not you actually think like this guy could ruin the Mario movie. And I think fundamentally the answer is no. <laughs> like there's no nothing he can do to that role, I think, will get will be bad enough to like lose this any semblance of the rest of the movie's quality. Um and I agree with you. Like like I think I actually had weirdly high expectations for this. Just I think like the the tact well, and you, the care. You had or now you have? No, had. Like I think the care oh, okay. that Nintendo specifically had taken and 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 always take with their their intellectual properties and protecting them and making sure they're not used or abused or banned about. I think as soon as Nintendo signed a deal that were like, no, we're gonna go and partner up with an animation studio to finally make a big ass Mario movie. Um for at that moment I was like it's like the movie equivalent of getting the Nintendo seal of approval, which yeah. doesn't always mean the world, but I think meant a lot in terms of them just selling off the rights of you know the Mario Kingdom and so on and so forth to the Minions people. Like You can tell immediately there's a lot more <laughs> going on here than there would have been in that hypothetical. Um, I think people like memed about and laughed about the cast announcement, but as soon as you get over the fact, get past the fact that like these characters need to talk, there needs to be some kind of narrative, there needs to be dialogue, and if you were going to cast real actors in these roles, then all of a sudden, I actually think that casting of, uh, especially people like Jack Black, Seth Rogen, we haven't heard, we haven't heard yet, Charlie Day, yeah, um, actually, all of a sudden, the more you think about it, they are all kind of feel like spot on um, casting, yeah. like really almost pitch perfect casting, um, like yeah, there's, like there's Jack, a lot going for Jack Black is Jack Black, especially, I thought fucking nailed the bars and stuff yeah and like the humor in it, it don't get me wrong it's very family friendly but it was always going to be because mario has always been a an extremely like family forward like open to everyone e for everyone you know brand <laughs> um so that that was never going to change they weren't all of a sudden going to start making like dark jokes or anything weird like that so yeah i think <laughs> given all of that and just the other thing that we didn't get much of a look at but i can't wait because uh, i just feel like it's going to I feel like this film is going to be just dripping with like references and nods and Easter eggs. And I know it's a bit of like a meme and a bit cheesy to be excited about Easter eggs um, in this day and age. <laughs> and when MCU fans do it or Star Wars fans do it, I laugh at them. 
But you know what? Fucking, I'm going to cut myself some slack for Mario because the idea yeah. of like finally getting a feature feature length love letter to everything that franchise stands for is super exciting as a lifelong yeah. fan. I I'm just I know what's going to happen, Jeremy. I'm going to gaze into my crystal balls here. Okay, and uh, <laughs> what they're telling me is that a the the post credit scene, all right. Yeah, it's going to be one of two things. Okay, this going to be interesting. Okay, it's going to be Charlie Day's Luigi stuck in a mansion. Oh, right? okay, I like that. Or or, and get ready for this because this is going to fucking blow your mind, buddy. Well, mm-hmm. not really, but it's going to be Mario taking off into space for Galaxy, baby. Can yeah. you imagine if they fucking did the galaxy shit on that? They could do galaxy, mental. yeah. I'm trying to think what else they could do. They could do... like They you, could regress you, and go to 64. They could do that. That would be fun. I mean, like, uh, Odyssey kind of did that, right? And that, that was great. Um, yeah, yeah. I was thinking, like... There, there's there's so much you can do with it, dude. Like, it's such a long-standing franchise with so yeah. many fucking great ideas and locales. And, I yeah, just... Like you, you, you teasing. It, it makes um, me feel makes me feel young again. I don't know. I don't know how else to put oh, it. Totally. Well, because it taps into shit from when you. It's were young, effervescent. Right? It is effervescent. Like you t- talking <laughs> about Luigi's Mansion thing makes me think that you could just easily do like you could bring in like a, a baby a Bowser Junior for like a um for a Bowser spinoff. You could bring in a Diddy Kong for a Donkey Kong spinoff. Like you I mean like one yeah. of those things like you know how people really liked Peacemaker when they're making Suicide Squad. So we're just like fuck it. We're gonna give him his own show. Like if Seth Rogen yeah. nails it as Donkey Kong, like maybe you get Donkey Kong and Diddy Kong doing their own thing on Disney. Pl- oh, I don't know where yeah. it would live, but you know. That Donkey kinda. Kong Country, yeah. That'd be pretty fucking good. Yeah. Um, what else you could do? I don't know. You could probably, I don't even know. It'd probably just be some weird I, reference. Wario, uh, uh, Waluigi, uh, no. like that kind of thing. Like <laughs> yeah, That would be cool, yeah. Um, maybe maybe some, like a, a little bit of a race going on, you know. Some, some yeah, karting. Very true. Yeah. Carthing would be great. I, I think what what would what this also opens up the door to is obviously there was the the talk of a Zelda animated show on Netflix. Yeah, I don't know if that I don't know if that went anywhere. I think that was just like there was a plan and it fell through or something. But I get confused. I think that could also be like super sick, dude. Yeah, absolutely. Like there's obviously there is something nice about these franchises existing in the formats they've existed in, and Nintendo kind of keeping control over what they built thus far, because I think it is that control that has kept everything reined in and stopped these franchises and these bits of intellectual property from spilling out into other formats and, you know, being so Nintendo experienced that a little bit early, early on where, you know, they had lost control of who was able to make Mario games and Zelda games for very brief periods of times. And I'm sure they're still scarred by the fact that there are like, videos of horrible Zelda games and horrible Mario games from <laughs> the previous century that like exist on YouTube from like the time they made yeah. bad business ag- arrangements and like their IP could be sullied in such a way. Um, but if yeah. Nintendo kept control of it and it was in keeping with like what they built thus far and they make sure they do right by those characters and those worlds, then, then yeah, sure. Why not? Like let's build it out. Like it, it's kind of like, <laughs> It's it's that weird other side of fandom, and I just just hinted at it before. Where like I know I sit here sometimes, and I take the piss out of MCU fans or Star Wars fans as I watch Disney Plus sort of like slowly exploit 
their love of those worlds <laughs> by just squeezing every last drop they can out of it. And I kind of don't want to see Nintendo go that route, but at the same time, I don't think they ever will. Yeah, yeah, I think they're way too protective of that. And funnily enough, I think the reason that they are that protective is because of a Super Mario movie, mm. the one that came out in the 90s. Yeah, exactly. Which I remember going to see in the cinema, as crazy as that fucking sounds. And the reason I remember it so vividly is because uh, we went to go watch it for my birthday, Jamie. I think it must have been like, I don't know, what, what year was it? 1990? 91? So, um, so your 19th, 20th birthday? <laughs> you were very funny, sir. Uh, no, when was it? I mean, I, I, wasn't, bo- I wasn't born yet, so... You're old. Yeah, it was. Like, I hate to break it well, to you, no, actually, you're old, it, it was. You it, was it. it was the year of your birth. <laughs> oh, 93. A classic. 93. One of the best yeah, years. Yeah, so that came time, out. Some would say. That came out in 93. And funny enough, talking about birth, I went to go watch it for my birthday because that go. was the thing. You know, you know, when you're young and it's like, oh, birthdays, you just invite a bunch of your friends to go to a movie and totally, and totally. Go to, go, to, go to like a burger place after. So that's, that, was, that was one of my birthdays. Uh, I must have been. Must have been 10. No, nine. I was nine. Yeah, yeah, because you're not a full. You're not quite a full decade older than me. You're on the yeah. cusp. So yeah, like it, uh, and and it's because of how fucking badly that all went, and you know the enduring legacy of that film that kind of has made yeah. Nintendo so skittish, I guess, with and, everything to do with their property and their IP. And you'd also imagine like the enduring legacy of video games and movie adaptations, where with each passing year, another one would come out. And Nintendo would feel like validated in their decision to no longer go down that path anymore. But like, yeah. so every day they yeah, go exactly. into the office and someone says to Miyamoto, like, fuck now, do you see what they did to Resident Evil? And he's saying, like, not us, right, guys? Not us. <laughs> and now it's them. Yeah. I, I would have liked to have said that um, they saw the success of Sonic and that was the catalyst of saying, like, well, fuck Sega. We're not going to let them get away with this. Yeah. But. This has been in the work, works for seven years, which it is has, fucking yeah. mental to think Crazy. about. Crazy. Like, man. But yeah, I'm I'm super hyped about it. I think it'll be cool, man. We should do a... We should do a watch-along How? or something. Would you, or, or, or like a... No, maybe not a watch-along, but like just in, invite our patrons to come to London and watch it with us. <laughs> that would be, be kind of fucking weird, but... <laughs> I mean, cool. we could do. I, I feel like some of them might have some difficulty with the travel. I'm not sure how much that's <laughs> worth to them. A trip to London to watch a film with some strangers <laughs> from a podcast. Yeah, only going to cost you ten thousand dollars. Yeah, exactly. Because that's the way the world is going. Um, yeah, kind of an unexpected turn of events, Jamie. Much like. CD Projekt Red announcing that they are making like a million fucking games. Yeah. How crazy is this? So, man, th- this this came so far out of fucking left field for me. I-, I didn't even really know what to make of it. Obviously, previously we'd known that they were working on a sequel to Witcher 3, mm-hmm. right? They had that like little, it was a well, video, wasn't it? Where it's like a snow-covered medallion like house yeah. of the links or house of the uh, school of the links or school of the cats or whatever fucking turned out to be I'm, i mean i'm not clued up on my witcher fucking law um and then more recently we got word that uh cyberpunk 2077 was going to get their uh dlc which was expected mm-hmm. 
But what was not expected, Jamie, was the fact that they're setting up a North American division yes. to, to work on games. Uh, did not expect them to announce a fucking sequel to Cyberpunk 2077. Mm-hmm. Did not expect them to say that that Witcher sequel was actually a new trilogy that they will be working on. A story-driven open-world RPG built on the legacy of The Witcher 3, quote-unquote, currently in pre-production, and that the trilogy will conclude within six years of the initial release. I did not expect them to say that there was Project Sirius, which was an innovative take on the Witcher universe, telling unforgettable stories for existing fans and audience. I did not expect them to announce a new IP, codenamed Hadar, which we know absolutely nothing about, and I did not expect them to announce Project Canis Majoris, a third, uh, developed by a third party, uh, which is a new story-driven Witcher open-world RPG by ex-Witcher developers who left CD Projekt Red to create their own studio, but then be hired by CD Projekt Red to work on The Witcher. <laughs> and it, it, it's just like, it's just one thing. I, I don't even know where to start to unpack all of this. Yeah. No, I I, I know what you mean, because I join you in your sort of like, not even confusion, just surprise. I, it's more surprise. Fair play to them. That that This takes big balls, dude. Like, yeah, to come. Well, to come off, to come off of cyberpunk, even though you kind of like starting to turn around, to come off of that kind of like reputational hit, and and you'd almost think to yourself, oh well, they've got to play it a bit safe. Okay, so they announced the sequel to Witcher. That that's decent. That's expected. Okay, yeah. and then people are like, we'll give them. You know, we'll, we'll we'll let's see. We'll hold our reservations. We'll kind of see what. And all of a sudden, CDPR is like, nah, fuck it. Here's fucking fifty million games will work. True. I think it is a bit ballsy. But I also think there's a part of it that ties into what we've been talking about through most of the year as one of the emerging trends of 2022, which is just companies being far more willing, whether it's as a, a part of a re- recruitment drive or to increase awareness of the projects they were going on, or just to kind of like jump the gun on leaks and the way that these projects never to inevitably get out there into sort of like public knowledge, public consciousness. I think there was just an element of like, this is like Rockstar confirming they were making a new GTA. This was like Crisis 4. This was like the Splinter Cell remake. This was like the the new um uh <laughs> is it the new Blizzard uh like hunting RPG or was that Riot or I can't remember who's making that. Oh no, that's Blizzard, yeah, Blizzard. that's Blizzard, like, yeah. And so on and so forth. Like this was this is the next evolution of the like, hey, we're tweeting about the game we're making. Um <laughs> Yeah, this is like, hey, we're tweeting about every single thing that yeah. we're thinking of even, making in even, the next 10 like, years. Like Respawn, who came out and was like, yeah, we're making three Star Wars games at once. See you later. And like, <laughs> um, don't, don't get me wrong, this is the most, as you kind of hinted at, this is the most extreme degree we've seen of that style of announcement. But it does still seem to be kind of like a weird trend that CD Projekt Red have just taken to <laughs> another, another level. Um, yeah. With things it's, that like it's just, mad. yeah, I don't know. It, it's it's kind of like what you said about like oh this is this is um, Rockstar announcing GTA Six, but it's not. This is like Rockstar announcing GTA Six, Red Dead Redemption Three, Four, and Five, uh, Bully Two, Bully Open World, uh, another game set in the Bully universe, like uh, fucking <laughs> Manhunt Three. Well, Do you know what I mean? Like it's, kind it's of, all yes. of these fucking things. It's, it's fucking mental. Well, uh, there, there was a there was a very interesting take for 
uh, Project Sirius, which is the game that was uh, being developed by the Molasses Flood, which was a... They did the Fire in the Flame... I always forget the fucking name of this game. Fire in the Flood. Um, yeah, Flame in the... In the Fugazi. Fire um, in the Hotel. Fire, fire in the Hole. So, yeah. Uh, <laughs> there was a really interesting take on it, saying people are really fucking hoping that it's a Witcher-based um, farming simulator, like Stardew oh, wow. Valley, etc., but that it's Geralt and he's, um, like, tending his, his grape, he's, like, vineyard in fucking, what's that place from the expansion? Like, can you imagine something like that? That would be, I mean... I think that would be cool if they sure, did something like that, sure. man. Like, why not? Why not? Like, <laughs> have some fun with it. It could be. Yeah. Uh, and that's why, like... Could be. I think there's an element of this. The, I was a little bit surprised that they have announced uh, that they are working on a new IP and given away its a code name. But then also, like when you add up what that amounts to in terms of information it gives us, it's basically nothing. nothing. Yeah. If you had told me last week, basically, Chris, that CD Projekt Red were at some point in development or planning on more Witcher games, more Cyberpunk games, and a new IP, I'd have been like, yeah, that makes sense. Like... Uh, they, yeah. they may not. They, that sounds like they may be stretching themselves quite thin. But when you ass- assign like what we know now, like you said, the development of a sort of a North American based studio in combination with the Molasses Flood, who they um, uh, acquired, um, and the yeah. fact that like the, the, when you read into the financial reportings, they're actually quite upfront about the fact that like, hey, there are like 150 people working on this project Polaris right now, and 350 people finishing off the. Um, CD Pro- the Cyberpunk DLC and the Cyberpunk sequel is still early enough in pre-production that we don't really know what we're doing with it yet, but we know we're going to do it. Yeah. Like when you start outlining where these things would fit along a timeline, like actually this all makes sense. It doesn't mean that it's not a lot to get told at once and at this stage. Yeah. That is still the case. But it's also like everything does kind of fit. And I'll be honest, yeah. I'm not surprised by a full-on Cyberpunk sequel in the least. Um. I'm kind of in the middle, I think. I think I, I am surprised that, like the, I get, I, it, it's, it's, I'm not surprised because it's an inevitability. Like regardless of what happened, um, Cyberpunk was a success for them. And yeah. even now that they're turning it around, they're getting a lot of positive press from it. The DLC is coming out. I, I think I'm just surprised that they are going so whole hog before even, releasing the DLC for the current iteration of it. And I guess that kind of also leads up to what I've been doing this past week. Cause I, I went back and I thought, you know what, fuck it. Let me just try to get back into cyberpunk, um, pick up where I left off. Mm-hmm. And it's, it was fine. I <laughs> jumped in, didn't remember where I was in the fucking story, but I was at the start of a mission. I was like, yeah, I'll do this mission. Um, did the mission, to the story it was interesting enough in its own right and i was like yeah i mean fine and that was it. it is what it is and and literally that was it and i switched it off and i, I haven't gone back and nice. it, it, it kind of made me a little bit sad because I, I think like i just don't think i will go back yeah. i think there's too many things that are gonna like if there was if there was a gaming drought at the moment then yeah, you know, like clear up my back catalogue of the games that I really want to play, and then I'll get back to it. But which which new releases have you been spent like wading into in the last like six months? Uh, Elden Ring. Oh, okay. 
So you, yeah, so you, you asked the question. I'm giving you an answer. Your excuse for not playing more Cyberpunk is that you're still playing a game that came out in March. That sounds like a you problem. Uh, it most definitely is a you, uh, a, a me problem, <laughs> a you problem. Um, no, it most definitely is. But what I, what I'm saying is like, there's so even you take Elden Ring away, like there's so many things that I just want to get into and play and like fucking get back into that Halo Infinite campaign as an example is kind of feels a little bit more interesting than Cyberpunk at the moment for me. As crazy, yeah, as crazy as that might sound. Maybe it's because I didn't really, I feel like I haven't started to scratch the surface on Infinite. What a weird game to throw back to as well. Like I also didn't finish Halo Infinite, but I'm like, I know. I played enough of it. <laughs> yeah, but but I but I think I haven't played enough of it to be that. Do you know what I mean? Oh, okay, sure. Um, but if you wait long enough, stuff... they might have co-op by the time you get. There. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, maybe. Um, but yeah, I just think I just think, think I'm not that fussed. So that's maybe why I'm just a whole lot cooler and surprised on a, a full blown fucking yeah um, sequel announcement. But uh, yeah, fair. I fair just enough. I, I think the thing for me is that like. Gamers love to make decisions that they that, that risk hurting themselves in the long run. Um, we see it all the time where you know gamers take like a a moral stance against something or make a declaration yeah. about something that they don't have the full information on, and all of a sudden they're boycotting a thing or they're not interested in then this and they're not interested in that. Uh, ultimately, the only person you harm by making a decision about whether or not you play the uh, a sequel to Cyberpunk 2077 based on the state of Cyberpunk 2077's launch or based on how you feel CD Projekt Red handled that launch or their communication or like so on and so forth is kind of yourself like and the idea that you I like that anyone would would not play like let's say a critically acclaimed 2077 sequel just because you mm. still got like weird memories about get like a, the time you were burnt a few years before, I'd be like, totally like that's your prerogative. You feel burnt, that sucks. Also, you've made the decision to not play one of the best games of the year in this hypothetical. Yeah, yeah. and like, yeah, I just, yeah, don't, yeah. I I just don't see the point in that. And I think that one thing that history has proven us is when there are boycotts and when there are bad feelings, most people crack when the next good thing happens. And if a CD project, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, Excuse me, Cyberpunk twenty seventy seven. I hate how similar those names are in my head, at least. Um, comes out well, yeah, because it's CDPR and CP twenty seventy seven. Thank you. You're on my side on this, and that means a lot. But if that sequel comes out and it's critically acclaimed, and they land, they land all their punches from the off, and they do the Witcher thing and switch over to Unreal, and it runs and looks a million times yeah. better, and they make good on some of the prom, they make good on all the promises they make this time, and it's also offset on the backdrop of a widely improved reception to the original game the way that uh, uh offshoots like cyberpunk edge runners have drastically increased the interest yeah. and engagement around that world and some of those characters and some of those themes if that game comes out and is like in the 90s on metacritic it sells it's it also sells 20 million plus units the way it's predecessor yeah and I, that, yeah. and that's why i think it's a no-brainer like you've never i think in games like you never it's very hard to burn bridges permanently because people are always going to be drawn to what's good. Yeah, yeah, no, I, I agree with that. And don't get me wrong, like, if uh, Cyberpunk 2078 comes out, I'll I, I'll be hyped up again for it just like I was for 2077, like, by all means. And again, it's like what I've said before, like, I don't, genuinely, I don't believe that 2077 is a bad game. 
Yeah, it's, no, it's not. But I, it, it's it's just not. I, I just got a lot of apathy for it at the moment. I think uh, one thing I did find funny was the the little blurb coming from CD Projekt Red about the so-called Project Orion, which is the sequel to Cyberpunk, which was Cyberpunk 2077 sequel that will prove the full power and potential of the Cyberpunk universe. Yeah. It just kind of, just the way they were, it just kind of felt a little bit funny. It's like no, saying like, right. you know, we, we weren't really able to deliver it in the first game, but the second game will nail it. It, so, it sounds like investor talk. It sounds like... Do you remember how excited everyone was before they realized what game we'd made? We're going back to that feeling. The hype train <laughs> is getting ready. The hype train's on the tracks again. Choo-choo, motherfuckers. Yeah, fucking hell. And the, the last bit of news from all of the stuff fucking coming out of CDPR is co-founder Marcin Ivinsky. Is that how you said? Ivinsky? Like stepping that. down from his role as co-CEO, Jamie. Yeah, which, I don't know, like, it's always interesting when someone in that position um, takes a step away from the spotlight or takes a step away from that position of seniority. You know, you don't, it's always hard to know how much or how little to read into it, basically. Like, is this, is this a an intended and, like, directed change in senior management um, as a result of the performance of recent titles or as a way of the, the performance of recent titles or whatever the case may be? Mm. Or is this, uh, like, a mutual decision because I feel like Marcin was the guy who was always in the spotlight of, you know, when you saw those pictures of like, this was him during The Witcher 2, him during The Witcher 3, and then him during <laughs> Cyberpunk. And he's like, looks more and more disheveled. And he, the his, like the bags under his eyes get bigger and bigger. Like Marcin was like the poster boy for how working at CD Projekt Red seemingly destroyed like his image. I love that. Um, I love and, that. And so like, like he's... Uh, in his late forties, like maybe he decided it was time for something different. Maybe there was a role within the company that made more sense for him. I'm not sure if they've said whether he actually left or just stepped down from his role as co-CEO. So yeah, so he had a message himself, which I, I have here currently. Um just a few things like I have some news that's both important to me and to the company. I'm beginning a brand new personal chapter at CD Project as I will submit my candidacy for the role of chairman of the supervisory board, leaving my joint CEO role. So basically he's just going board side instead of yeah, exactly. company side. And, it, and it's so hard to know when companies like this being a Polish company, having as many employees as they do with the American shit starting up with it. I don't know what kind of expansion plans they've got um, in the in the works like it's very hard to know how hands-on and how involved a co-CEO would have been if he'd remained one and how uninvolved he will be now that he's stepping down from that position. So this, again, just feels like filling the uh, filling the investors in on what they needed to hear because it's significant change in you know, senior management and leadership. But at the same time, in terms of the impact on the games, yeah, it's, yeah. Just, it's just a different face we see every time they need to make an apology. <clears throat> yeah, exactly. Um, but yeah, and, the, and then the fact that they are doing a, a Boston hub and a Vancouver hub. Yeah. Uh, I, I I believe it's the Boston hub that's working on the cyberpunk stuff, isn't it? I'm not 100% sure. I know Boston is where the um, the Molasses Flood is based. Um, so I'm, I I don't know if... Oh, right. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so then maybe it's the Vancouver hub then. That's, unless I'm, I'm getting sure. my, new, my news mixed up. Who the fuck knows? I mean, I know that most of kind of CD Projekt Red proper, like I think 350 people are currently working on um, these uh, cyberpunk expansion. So like 
it's very clear that that's their like their highest priority at the moment is making sure that thing is in tip-top <laughs> shape because Lord knows they do not need another round of press that uh, eats them alive because that would be rough. Oh, good. Good Lord. Yeah, that would be mental. <laughs> like That thing's got to be but, fucking airtight. It's, yeah, more than airtight. So, okay, so out of everything that that's they've kind of announced, what what's kind of piquing your interest the most? Um, do you know what? In spite of everything I just about Cyberpunk 2077, and while I would like <laughs> to see them make good on a lot of those promises and that world and everything that it has the potential to offer, it's also, like you said, it's kind of soon. Like, Cyberpunk, as you demonstrated this week, still feels like a game that most of us could just dip back into and kind of see what's up with and... I think in that sense, I'm far more interested in... I want to know more about what the new IP is. Um, I think it's also interesting yeah. that like CD Projekt Red, through both The Witcher and through Cyberpunk, adopted those universes from existing properties, whether they were novels or like board games or like D&D shit or whatever the fuck it was. Like, yeah. Seeing them build a world from the ground up and not be able to borrow races and languages and ideas and like fashion and political allegiances and all this stuff from something that's existing that's intriguing and that's a challenge that i'd love to see them take on but also i'd be lying if i said i wasn't excited by the prospect of um them really embracing how much tech and um you know the potential for like the potential for open world uh games has changed in the seven years since the witcher 3 when they're making a new witcher game running on unreal which hopefully removes a lot of the kind of the technical mishaps they run into even back then. Like yeah. I think, like I said, yeah. open world gaming and gaming in general has changed a lot in that seven years, probably also get a couple more years at least until we even start to see this thing. So in the same way, when we talked about rockstar, just seeing what they do with um, the time they've had and the technical yeah. capacity that has increased in that time for them to make uh, unique and interesting experiences. You know, I'm excited to, for, for that as a prospect and, yeah. and also well, excited sorry just a quick one just to say excited to see them be able to deliver a story over a trilogy that people are far more likely to play all three of because it's very easy to forget that the witcher and Geralt and that world um kind of arrived to most people in the form of the third game and remained that way yeah like yeah so them to have another crack at a trilogy that has eyeballs on it from the word go, also kind of cool for them and intriguing for us to see how they make that story work over the span of, as they said themselves, probably six years, if not longer. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, I've still got a long way to wait because uh, that new trilogy sequel, as it's called, Project Polaris, is still in pre-production. Yeah. So it'll be interesting. I wonder, do you think that, like, do you think... And they're in pre-production, they're getting this entire story, but then they're just chopping it up into three. Th- do you know what I mean? Like, could it be one cyberpunk-sized game, or is it a cyberpunk-sized game cut into three pieces? Or is it three <sighs> cyberpunk-sized games? I think you have to kind of be pretty consistent with the size of the world that you're creating and letting people run around in. And I think people are more likely to compare this to The Witcher 3 than they are to Cyberpunk just because it's the yeah. same universe. But I, I think if it feels like a, a story or a world that's cut in three for the sake of a trilogy, that would be... I don't think that flies. Um, mm. um, okay. what, the, what they do like with that open world, that is a really difficult thing because, again, it, it, 
open world games are getting bigger and bigger and taking longer and longer to design, and that's evidenced in you know the the, the, the timelines that whether it's Rockstar or whether it's Bethesda or whether it's Ubisoft, like that everyone's timelines are far more stretched and prolonged than they used to be, and and like what do you do? Can you set three games within six years in the same open world, for example? Or do fans feel a little bit like pissed off about that? Because like most games, even when like I mentioned Ubisoft, when they did sort of like Origins, Odyssey, Valhalla, almost back to back to back, um, like yeah. they created three complete different, completely visually distinct, massive open worlds for each of them. There aren't many trilogies that I can think of that have been comfortable enough to say like, no, it's the same world as last time, and it's just more stories from within it. So that then gets into this interesting thing of like, how do they break down that world and that map to be like, this is set in this part of the world, and this is set in this part of the world, and this is set in that part of the world. And, or do they? I, I don't know what they do. It'd be very interesting to see. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, like I said, we're gonna have to wait a long time to figure out what they do actually do. I, you know, obviously the most recent thing that's gonna come up is the Cyberpunk twenty seventy seven DLC. But beyond that, no clue. As to where, we'll probably get another Gwent before we see any of these other fucking God, games. Gwent. I forgot about Gwent. <laughs> they'll probably do another one what? won't they there'll be another board game in the next witch trilogy and like that'll become the hot new thing yeah something like that right yeah but yeah well jamie that's all the news that we are covering for this week uh, there's a few other bits and bobs here but those are the three main stories that we wanted to cover over here on the super show podcast how did you enjoy your, your time today, Jamie? Oh, I had a fucking ball of a time. Nothing like nothing quite like sitting down with a friend and talking about video games. Um and just shooting the shit. I, I must apologize if my um my hosting has not been on point. A, I'm very rusty. It feels like forever since I've <laughs> um hosted, although that's not necessarily true. But also <laughs> I, I I, I I feel I feel my throat getting very scratchy, Jamie. And, oh and God! I, I Don't worry, tell me you're coming out or something. I worry. I worry the throat cancer's coming back. Oh, Who the fuck knows? Everyone, prepare your ears for fucking <laughs> be the Beach Boys' good vibrations for the next couple of weeks. <laughs> hey, but some and, I've got like I've that. got a feeling Jonesy's throat might not be in the best shape either by the next time we hear his voice on this thing. So I might be the only one without throat cancer, but. But the next episode, <laughs> if there well, even is a next episode, well, oh, because mm, you, might, you both uh, might die from your throat issues. It's, it's true, spitball. Do you think you could do? Do you think you'd have a podcast where it would be like you and someone assisting you in conducting a seance and trying seance. to get the spirits of Jonesy and I <sighs> kind of coming in? I can see that being like a piece of maybe patron exclusive content. Like we set up a little video and I, I don't know. I feel like I might have to rope in the just interesting boys. Cause I feel like they might know more about this than me. I like, I I'll collab with them and we'll get a Ouija board involved and we'll just see if we can communicate with either you or Jonesy from beyond the grave. Decent, decent. And it's like, uh, oh, Chris, how, if, how would you, how, yeah, how, how would you know who you're talking to? What would be the distinction? Um, <laughs> You know what? I'd probably like. I'd, I'd. I'd. I think I'd stand up and I'd say, um, uh, "Reveal yourself. I need to feel your presence near me." Um, and if it came up to my ear, I'd know it was Jonesy. And if it came up to my chin, I'd know it was you. <laughs> well, fair enough. I, I feel like you've given me a few inches there. You've been a bit generous. <laughs> no, because like I don't know. You're, no, you no. 
chin. Yeah, like you're not short. You're just like not tall. <laughs> That's the kindest thing you've ever said to me. Oh, God. I'd, I'm not and sure. And on that bombshell. I have to test next somewhere, but Taylor in person, I have to test if I could easily rest my chin on your head. And if I can, I'll, I will. I'll, yeah. I'll, I'll come in for a, a big old bear hug and we, there can, we, go. we can get that sorted. Lovely. Uh, we have to take a picture. Yeah. And uh, yeah, I think I think we'll just leave it there, Jamie. All right. Uh, sounds a good. Nice, nice kind of entry point into the people's week, as it were. No longer weekend, week coming to your earlobes and eyeballs, hopefully on Hang on, not Monday the, evening. Not the lobes. The lobes don't hear anything. They're just like weird fat droplets. Mate, what? what? Actually, that's, that's how hearing works. No, the earlobes have nothing to do with the hearing. Mate, it's it's they they vibrate echolocation into your skull. Fuck off! They don't. No, no, they don't. That's that's why some people barely even have them. And that's what I was going to ask. Like a earlobe, something that are disappearing as a result of um, what's the word? Evolution. Because I thought we would slowly get rid of all the things we don't need. And as far as I can tell, they're just earrings. Like pinky toes. Yeah, or um, a spleen. A, yeah, what's the thing that blows up inside people? It's like a grenade. No, it's like the, a the gallbladder. It's like a oh, yeah, the gallbladder. App- append- your appendix. Appendix. Yeah. Yeah. People get appendicitis. Oh, you know, no, yeah, you up. need your fucking gallbladder. Yeah. Yeah, you know, because your appendix is a thing you don't need, and sometimes it just blows up inside people, and they get appendicitis. But yeah, it's fucking bizarre to think of. Or tails, like how we've still got tail bones, but we don't have tails anymore, Chris, because they used to be like monkeys. Little, little, little nubbins. All I'm saying is the earlobes are the next thing to go. And then... Then... Hmm, what else don't we need? Nipples on men. Hmm. Thought, thought-provoking. Hmm. What is the Japanese porn industry going to do? <laughs> They'll do something. They're, they're panicking. Cool. Well, yeah, tune in next week to find out as we uh, delve deep into the question, what would the Japanese porn industry do if men didn't have nipples? Tune in to uh, our, for next week for our best Japanese porn recommendations. Those like three hour long films that all have like six films inside them and they're all weirdly uncomfortable because they all have really high pitched voices and everything's censored and you can't quite tell who's fucking who and all the men are really sweaty and probably need a haircut. Um, we've got it all next week. Right, Chris? Over to you. Jav, I think yeah. it's called. Jav? J-A-V? I don't know if you call it J-A-V or Jav. European Joint uh, Accident think, Vaccination? I, Not what I was thinking on. Yeah, I think you're you're on the cusp of getting cancelled. Um, so before that happens, thank you so much for listening, if you're listening on a podcasting platform of your choice or watching us on YouTube. Uh, and with that, I will say, see ya! I think it is Jav. See ya.